Thank you for choosing the Authentic Wellness Podcast. I appreciate your time and attention. I invite you to listen with an open mind and a softened heart. No one has the same lived experience. Listening is the first step in our journey to understanding. So let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Sophia Antoine. So glad to be here with you again. So today we are talking about why I decided to become an end-of-life doula. So in addition to my whole full-spectrum doula business, I'm also an end-of-life doula. And I think I talked about this um, lightly in a previous episode, but I really wanted to go in depth with this. So here we are. Um, I had my notes all arranged in a different way, but I'm kind of going to change that up on the fly. So you know how we do here. We don't edit. We don't do nothing. We just talk because it's not authentic if you don't just talk, right? So here we go. Why I became an authentic wellness doula. Um, Yeah. I'm still making my peace with this, but it has to be said. So I decided to become an end-of-life doula because of the way my father transitioned. And it wasn't as peaceful as I had hoped it would be. I wish he would have had um, just a different atmosphere, a dimly lit room, maybe playing some of the music that that he liked. Um, A lot of people being able to come in and wish him well. And I know not everybody gets to you know, see the passing person on. Um, But I just wish we would have had that. Um, It was just the next portion of his journey. I wish more people had the time to come in and and just offer him well wishes as he transitioned. And the way it happened was I, I had gone to work that morning after having a most fabulous workout, like one of the most fabulous workouts I've had in a very long time. I prepared him something to eat, make sure he ate. And, you know, next thing you know, um, my husband was calling me at work, letting me know that they were on the way to the hospital. I would have preferred if I would have known or seen the signs of death coming on. I would have just prepared it a lot differently. I wish the paramedics wouldn't have come in and, you know, got him out of bed and been pumping on his chest and doing all those things that paramedics are to do. I'm not blaming them in any way. Um, He was on a cold room on a slab with tubes and stuff for everybody trying to save him. I just wish it would have been more peaceful. And a lot of times I think I grieve more for the way he passed as opposed to him passing because I knew eventually it would happen as it happens for all of us but I just wish it would have been different, but wish in one hand and in the other, and you know how that saying goes. So here I am. I wanted to provide that for other people. I wanted to be there for when they got, not necessarily the terminal diagnosis, but they have the diagnosis and they know death is imminent, which it is for all of us, but they just kind of have a heads up and be there to do that. So what exactly is an end-of-life doula and what do they do? So I, or anybody else who's an end-of-life doula, would work closely with my client that has received a terminal diagnosis. And this can be like spending time for with them 
and being able to talk to them and help them finish up any unfinished business. Also, it's a matter of helping the family members be able to start the grieving process or um, help prepare the atmosphere for their departure because you get a chance to, on your wedding day, you choose all the things and all the people you want to be around. Why shouldn't you have that on your death day? You have it on your birthdays when you plan a birthday party. You get to invite people. So why not with this too? Okay, so who can become an end-of-life doula? Anyone. If I can do it, you can do it. So anyone with an interest in helping others pass peacefully can become an end-of-life doula. There's no formal training that's needed or necessary, but it is quite helpful if you, you do get that because there are... Um, just different things you learn, I think, with people who've done it for a long time or who are part of an organization that you probably won't learn on your own until you attend a lot of deaths. And it's it just teaches and touches on situations you may not encounter otherwise, you know? So as a person who's received a terminal diagnosis, when should you like hire one? You can hire one as soon as you'd like, you know you'd like help in this process. So the day you get the terminal diagnosis or a week after you've gone through the grieving period yourself or anytime you feel like you want one or you know somebody who's ill. And I think an end of life doula is something like hospice because you know hospice, you can get a terminal diagnosis, go into hospice care, meaning that a hospice nurse is assigned to you and you get all the equipment, but you can also bounce back. There is no hard and fast rule just that says just because you have um, been issued a terminal diagnosis that something doesn't happen in your health and you're able to bounce, you're not able to bounce back. So you definitely can. So you'd still want to, upon receiving your diagnosis, consult with your, your medical professionals and do all the things they ask of you um, and still be able to come back from it. And, and then your relationship with that person is on pause or at least over for now. And I think I said that backwards. It's over for now or at least on pause, but you get it because, you know, that's that's what we do here. We understand each other or do our best to anyway. So if you've experienced the loss, recently, I would say within the last year, you'd probably want to wait a little bit, go through all of the holidays. And this is for anybody that's doing anything end of life or is in grieving or mourning. Um, go through all of the holidays, go through a whole year without that person. So you can get through those holidays, those special days, those special moments that y'all used to celebrate together. And then see how you feel if you're ready to work, work with other people or even do any type of death work, all right? Now, a big question is where do you do this end of life work? And it's really easy, very similar to being a birth doula, you can be an end of life doula anywhere. So it can be in their clients, in your client's home, their hospice room, their hospital room, or any place they choose to make a transition. If you want to go to a cabin in the woods, you can go do it in a cabin in the woods, whatever you so choose. So at the ocean, at the beach, just be in tune to what your clients want, what they need, what their families want, 
but your client's wants always override families and friends and things like that, unless they've given specific instruction. So it's all about catering to the person that you are there to serve. And that's the main thing, because a lot of people, they come offering condolences, they come offering advice. And a lot of times that's not what the, the passing person wants. They want to be able to get out what's on their mind and what's on their hearts. So like I said, for me, why I became an end-of-life doula, that was because I want to provide the, the atmosphere, everything that a dying person or a passing person wants. But it's also, and I know it's morbid talking about death, and it may seem like it's unnecessarily um, a conversation that we're having, but it will happen for all of us. It will definitely happen. No one is promised um, to live forever not in this life on this earth anyway. So you might you may as well plan for it and have things the way you want them to be. And in particular, I became an end-of-life doula because I want to prepare people to die with dignity. That's a big thing. Dignity is a big thing for me. And it's for a lot of people, whether they know it or not. And I want to help my clients to plan their own vigils, write about their legacy, and walk through any unfinished business because even just living a regular life. There are things when I go from day to day that I'm be like, oh man, I forgot to do this. And I beat myself up about it. But when you get to a point when you've reached, when you've been issued a terminal diagnosis, it's like you got to do all these things in a specific amount of time and you don't want to leave anything unfinished or anybody forgotten about. There's things you want to say. There's things you want to do. And you may as well go ahead and do it. So having a plan would would just definitely be awesome. And being able to transition in peace, I think would be the best. And I think I've explained a lot about how an end-of-life doula can help, but um, I can't possibly answer the question of how can an end of doula help because I don't have enough time. And you know, I honor your time. I try to get through these episodes as succinctly as I possibly can. And it might seem like I'm all over the place sometimes, but there really is um, a method to my madness, even though it sounds discombobulated sometimes. But the beauty of this work is that it, it the wishes of the clients, it just, if you can help them to accomplish something and be at peace, accomplish a few things and be at peace, it does your heart good because like I said, having stuff unfinished at the end of your life and knowing you cannot go back and change it, you do not have the opportunity to at least try to make it right. It just really pierces your heart and it hits different. So a few things, I think I have maybe three or four things, maybe three that I want to share with you about what an end of life doula does. And I'm just going to be reading from my notes, to be honest, because when I when I make notes, it's just really raw and uncensored. And I don't want to give you anything other than that. So first thing that's required of an end of life doula is to actively listen. And my thoughts on that are many times when a terminal diagnosis is received, friends and family start to offer endless amounts of advice, encouragement and condolences. 
that's not usually what a dying person wants. This is usually the time when a dying person sits with their thoughts and when that person is ready to speak, he or she would like to be heard. You don't want to overtalk the person. You don't want to say, hey, we'll be okay, or um, it's okay to go. Well, of course, you want to let them know it's okay to go, but you want to have them say what they have to say, because there may be years and years and years of things that they haven't said, thinking they had all this time, and now they don't, okay? There's often a lot of self-examination, exploration of the meaning of their life. Then there are events that they aren't so proud of, the things under the rugs, and that's uh, an acronym, R-U-G-S. The rugs of life are regrets, unfinished business, guilt, and shame. Adula, me, will listen as the client processes the events that they want to make peace with. The doula, me, holds no bias and, and casts no judgment. Their purpose is to support the client in unburdening themselves so their transition can be more peaceful. And that's all we can hope for in life and in death is, is peace because everything in the middle has the potential to be really chaotic, okay? So next, number two, vigil planning. In my experience, if the opportunity presents itself to plan the vigil, which may be the funeral, the wake, or anything that has um, anything to do with the person after they've passed, um, plan with the client as soon as you can. This allows the, the client to have a say in it. And their wishes can be honored and heard by everybody from their own mouth. So they're not arguing amongst, amongst each other because I've experienced sometimes where the person passes right away and, and it doesn't actually help the family to, to not know what's going on or what are their wishes or the things that they want to do. So you want to honor the dying person's wishes. It's better from their own mouth. The client is able to choose to incorporate activities from their culture, family traditions, observances from their religion, anything they want, or observances from another religion. They may have been studying something else and you not even know it. So a lot of times it's just a matter of um, listening. Again, we go back to that active listening and just honoring what it is that they want. This is the time when the client, family, and friends decide that they want to, to have the person in transition in their last days just be happy. Just have them be happy. It's also a time when you want to, to make it all about them. So the vigil itself, it starts from, you know, when they're a few days out from death, and this will come from the medical professional, or you're able to see the signs of death. You're able to see that. And it seems like a simple task, but it's, it's if you're not prepared, it really is disheartening in a way. But you want to hear what they want to have. Maybe they want to have some things considered like the lighting in the room, have it dim or maybe have their favorite candles burning or maybe they just want it dark altogether. Consider the smell of the room. 
their favorite fragrance may be a cologne or a perfume, even though people who are about to pass have really sensitive senses. So maybe some lavender, some tea tree, some mint, or some orange oil, something like that. Consider what type of music they want to hear. It could be gospel, soft jazz, easy listening. Um, in the case of my father, he loved um, Frank Sinatra. So his favorite song, which we played, was I Did It My Way. And when I tell you my dad really did things his way, I think that's where I get it from. But um, <laughs> that's why I do everything the way I want it as much as I possibly can, because I don't want to have any regrets, but play their favorite music. And who should be in the room during the transition? Do you want just close family? Do you want family and friends so you can have private conversations or give people last wishes? Do they come in all at once or do you want one at a time? Just things like that. And something to consider is, should medications continue or stop when the time is near? Because there are special med medications that um, prevent mucus from building up and you don't get to hear that death rattle that sometimes comes from a person that's in transition. So there's so many things to consider. So as an end of life doula, I go over all of these lists of things with family and friends and the dying person present so they can know this is what my loved one asked for and this is what I must honor. And some things to consider even after the transition is what should the body be covered with? Some people maybe have a special blanket or they have a special outfit that they're wanting to, to leave this body in. Should any final words be shared? See, we talked about that. Not from a standpoint of after, but we talked about that before, but maybe the dying person left a letter or of things they didn't want said prior to their departure. And now someone has the authority to go ahead and release that information. How long before the body is moved? Maybe other people can come in now and just have a quiet moment before the body is disturbed. And should the body even be touched afterwards? And I, I deliberately call it the body because the person you knew and loved, that person is actually gone as of now. So there's just some example of things to consider for the vigil plan and maybe the funeral. The possibilities are really endless and you can personalize this down to the very, very basic parts. There are even times when a vigil is held while the dying person is still well enough to participate. I've seen where, you know, at least awake where people can come in and just say the words, they make it a formal event. So at the funeral, you're talking to an embalmed body a shell of the person. But if you have a special ceremony or a special um, time prior to the death where people can come in and just really say what they have to say on their hearts. And that make it that makes it less creepy. Let, let's say it like that. It makes it less creepy, like talking to someone that's not really there. Say what you have to say, because how many times has, um, and these days it's it's more prevalent than you think. How many times have you said, I wish I would have said this to this person and now they're gone. This prevents that. It really does. And number three, pass, processing grief. An end of life doula will help you process grief. There'll be grief. And let me backtrack because the doula actually 
goes through grief again too, because you're helping all of these families. So that's inevitable. So the person in transition is in grief and their family and friends are grieving. So there's this shock that you're preparing for death from a cause that isn't derived of old age. And this is the, the person that's actually gonna pass away. Grief can make people angry. So you may deal with a lot of anger and the diagnosis doesn't help because it's just like, how can I say this? It, it, it's just not a situation of your own making, unless it is. And you just always think you have more time. Friends and family may be angry. Their time together was cut short. As an end-of-life doula, like me, there's a unique perspective of the transition. But you also, as an end-of-life doula, would need to have a way to take care of yourself and to process the grief as well. So a doula is an insider and an outsider at the same time because you're here helping the family, but you're not really part of the family. The doula is now able to share any information they were asked to keep confidential until this moment. Sharing stories or final thoughts can give the friends and family new perspectives on things that they missed or only half paid attention to in life. Because how many times have you had a conversation with someone and they tell you something so minor that you do for them um, meant so much? And you're like, I was just listening to you, or I was just sitting and talking with you, or whatever it is you do for them. And you like, you're taken aback because you didn't know it meant so much to somebody. So this is the time where these things usually come out. And for family and friends, this is the time where you refer them out to other services, like clinical services, if they need more help to process the grief. Because Doulas aren't clinical in nature at all. We are there to support, serve, and help in these situations. So my final thoughts on me becoming an end-of-life doula, or if this helped you to, you know, say, yes, you want to do it. Um, it's a great addition to the team that provides care for the person in transition. They can also provide support for family and friends. It is good to have a person who only exists in the dynamic to provide comfort because everybody's grieving and trying to comfort each other and grieving and trying to comfort each other. A doula's sole purpose is to provide comfort. As a society, we should normalize being comfortable in death as we are with birth because they're parts of life. They're both parts of life. And you don't want it to keep taking you aback. You don't want it to keep um, surprising you as much as you can put together a plan for yourself and let your friend, family and friends know what your plans are. And if they change, just like a birth plan, have a death plan because there's things that you want at your funeral, you want at your vigil, you want at your wake, foods you want to share with the people or how you want them to grieve. Like me personally, I don't want my friends and family to sit around crying, moping, looking ugly, makeup running, none of that stuff. I want you to celebrate that I had such a good life. Whatever the Lord allows me to see as a, a good life, as a lengthy life, it's all stuff that I did not deserve. So I am thankful. So I want everybody to be thankful with me. And I want them to party like, well, it's past 1999, but you get it, right? You get it. So thank you for listening to me ramble on about 
an, uh, an end-of-life doula. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do not take your time lightly. Please reach out to me if you have questions, comments, concerns. Subscribe to the podcast, and I hope that you'll listen to me and we'll get to share some time together again soon. All right, take care of yourself and be authentic. <laughs>